This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. If you don't know who I am, I am Marianne. And a lot of the times when I have the opportunity to get up and speak, I share what God is talking to me in my personal life. And that's what I'm going to do today. Okay, Is that cool with you guys? Yeah. Awesome. So I think we can all agree that right now it's a pretty interesting time in history. I think that's one thing we can all agree on. And, you know, being myself, me and God have lots of conversations. Anybody here have lots of conversations with God? If you guys heard my conversations with God, you would probably think I should be committed. I just throw it all out there with him. I go and I complain. I say all the thoughts that I have. And being a good parent, he lets me vent. And he'll let me vent to a point, And then he begins to speak to my heart. And to bring me back in from that place of complaining. And he always brings me back to the truth. Always brings me back to the truth. Because the truth is what we can stand on. We can't stand on our feelings. We can stand on the truth. So just like a good parent, he always, always brings me back. And so recently I was feeling like, you know, it would be fantastic if I could just go into one of those hypersleep machines, you guys know, like in sci-fi movies, the hypersleep where you go into a hypersleep for like 10 years and then you wake up and I'm this age and all the stuff is over, right? And so that's what I was feeling like. And so he let me have my moment, but then he brought me back and God has conversations with me and he's so gentle sometimes. Sometimes he takes me to lamentations and tells me that's what you sound like. Sometimes I need a good smack. But in conversation, you know, when I say I have conversation with God, you know, the the world would think I'm saying that I'm having an audible conversation. But when I'm communicating, when God's communicating with me, he communicates with with me through maybe something I'm watching on TV and something hits my heart. Maybe it's I'm walking through my house and I have stacks of books, right? And I feel led to pick up a book just for fun. I have fun with the Holy Spirit and just flip through and then point and see what I point out. What word is that? And then he begins to speak to me. And so just being the gentle father with me, even when I'm being a little brat, the gentle father, he brings me back to the truth. And in feeling this way of wanting to go into hypersleep, I can only imagine he was sitting there thinking, really, Marianne? Have you not been listening to me? See, I've had the privilege and the blessing of being in the word my whole life. Have you not been listening to me for 35 years? Saying, you were born with purpose. And this is what he's saying to each of us. You were born for this time. Why would I put you in a hypersleep machine when this 2020, you exist right now because this is when you were meant to exist. And that's for each of us. So while, yeah, it would be nice to just sleep through it all. He has given us the authority to change things. And that's what he began to talk to me about. And he took me to John 3 where Nicodemus is having a conversation with Jesus about being born again. Now, if you have been a Christian for a year, 20 years, 100 years, you've heard about being born again. And you've probably read these scriptures a multitude of times. So when God brought me here and he began to speak to me about being born again, he brought me to a different place. You know, what a scripture meant to me at 10 years old It's quite different from now. It's quite different from when I was 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. See, we don't hear a scripture once, and I got it. 
never need to hear it again. No, there are depths and there are layers to the truths of God. And he will speak them to, it if, to us at different times in our life when he's wanting to take us to another depth and to another understanding. And that's what he began to do with being born again, right? A lot of the times we might have the understanding of it's a one-time experience, right? When I accept Jesus as my savior. But he began to show me through these scriptures that I have read a multitude of times and in this interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus that we are to be born again in every moment. And so when God speaks something to me, I have a little process in my head. Like I have all my little papers back here and I begin to go and I study because when God speaks the truth, I go to the word. And when I had this feeling, no, this is, this is for every moment to be born again in every moment that I'm existing. I was like, okay, Holy spirit, show me more because when I have an understanding, that is something I can hold on to and I can live from. See the word of God, one word from God, you can live on your entire life. Life. That's how much resurrection in life is in every single word. And so I went to John three, and I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to read the whole interaction, and then I'm going to talk to you guys about what the Holy Spirit showed me. So starting in, Jared, will you give me a water? Thank you. Starting in verse 1, therefore a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus is realizing there's something different. There's something different with Jesus. See, he's not just a teacher, because they knew all about teachers. See, Nicodemus... He was a Pharisee. He knew the word of God. He had a lot of knowledge. And he's saying, there's something different with Jesus. Jesus' reply is, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, or your translation might say, verily, verily, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus' reply, Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answers and says to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, verily, verily, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not perceive or receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? See, in this interaction, Nicodemus keeps coming back from the natural from a natural understanding. And Jesus continually, see, when you see verily, verily, you can know when Jesus says verily, verily, he is giving you an eternal truth. He is giving you an eternal truth. And he continues, he comes back and he's trying to shift Nicodemus's mindset. But Nicodemus continues to come back 
with a natural mindset. And so Jesus, when I were the Holy Spirit, when I was reading this, he was showing that. He was saying, you can't come from the natural. Keep coming from the natural and expect there to be spirit. If you are moving from a natural place, see, Nicodemus kept coming from a natural understanding. And Jesus was like, if you're coming from the natural, you're never going to understand the spiritual. And so I went to John 3, 3. And you guys, if you've heard me teach, you know, I just get in and I break it down. I take those words. I look at the Greek. And oh, thank you, JR. And I just go to town. And so that's what I want to do. I want to look at John 3, 3. Because what God, through the Holy Spirit, began to show me is that what born again How do we do that in every moment? We can always try again. That is truth. I love it. That is truth. God is good. So even Nicodemus, yay, we always get another try because you know what? Who misses it all the time? Me. So Donna, will you put up slide one? Now I'm doing to use, I'm going to use a PowerPoint because I love a PowerPoint. This is, I mean, a PowerPoint gets me excited. I know that sounds weird, but I love a good PowerPoint. And so I put it on here because a lot of times when I break down a scripture, I want you guys to be able to see when I'm, when I'm breaking these words down, this is what God shows me. These words are so full of life. When you see verily, verily, that is amen, amen. Amen is the most used Hebrew word ever. And we know that it means surely, truly, so be it. And the root of that, the root of amen is aman, which is established, verified, confirmed, certain. It's actually a picture of being nailed and fastened to a secure place. And Jesus says, I say, let go. That's a giving out. So here is Jesus. He's giving out of himself the depths of the kingdom of God, the depths of all that he is. He's giving out a supernatural, eternal truth. When you read your Bible and you see that Jesus says, verily, verily, listen up and be like, okay, I need to get an understanding of this. And he says, unto thee, except a man, next slide. Okay, so we're going to spend some time here. Be born again. When you look at be born, the Greek word is geneo. And if you guys know how to pronounce these and I'm pronouncing them wrong, it's okay. The meaning still is good, even though I pronounce it wrong. And that means to begotten, to engender, cause to arise, excite. Now, when I study, the way I study, so I've heard, I, I looked at that Greek definition, begotten, to engender, cause to arise. And what stuck out to me was engender. So I looked, what does engender mean? That means to beget offspring. And beget means to bring into existence. To bring into existence. You're bringing into existence. So to be born, to bring something into existence. Geneo comes from the Greek word genos, which is kindred, offspring, family, stock, tribe, generations. So be born again. So to be born is to bring something into existence, right? And then so we have, we see that Jesus says again, right? He doesn't just say you've got to be born. See, Nicodemus kept going back to the fact you got to be born, And he's like, I already exist. I've already been born. What are you talking about? But Jesus says again, and the word again is, however you pronounce it, from above, from a higher place of things which come from heaven or God, from the first, from the beginning, from the very first. So this shows me origins to exist from our origins. To exist from our origins. What are our origins? Genesis 
2.7 says that God breathed the breath of lives into us. He breathed his life. So what's our origins? God. In Psalms, it talks about he knit us in our mother's womb, that he knew us before he knit us. So where are we? Where's our origins? Yeah, in God, all of those, all no, no wrong answers in God, in the spirit. That's our origins. We are to exist from our origins, from God. John 1, in the beginning was the word. I'm actually going to read it from one of my piles here. In the beginning, that word beginning, that which anything begins to be, the origin, the active cause. So in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. So where are our origins? The spirit. So Jesus is giving an eternal truth here. He's saying you must exist. You must exist from your origins. You must exist from your origins. Next slide, please, Donna. So verily, verily, I say unto thee, except one exists from his origins, he cannot, you not be capable. You're not going to be capable to see, to perceive, interpret, realize, understand. You're not going to be able to perceive the kingdom of God unless you are existing from your origins Nicodemus has kept coming from a natural place. How many times do we come at situations in our life from the natural, from a natural understanding? If we're coming from a natural understanding, what are we going to see? Natural. Jesus is trying to shift Nicodemus's mindset. Jesus is trying to shift our mindset. He's trying to give an understanding of what the spirit of God is like. And you see that when he says the kingdom of God, you will not be able to perceive the kingdom. That word for kingdom, basilia, that is a governmental term. So Jesus comes and he's trying to shift our mindset. In this story, yes, it was a conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus, but we have this to look at and to have an understanding that Jesus is trying to shift our understanding that we have to be existing from our origins in every moment. Every moment. See, being born again, yes, there is that I accept, I accept you, Jesus. You are my Lord and you are my Savior. Salvation, yes, that is an experience. But being born again is ongoing in every moment. In every moment, when we exist from our origins, we're going to see the kingdom. We're going to see the kingdom. And from there, God began to show me why he was using governmental terms. See, he was using terms that when they heard these word, these governmental terms, that they would be like, what? Because then in Matthew 3, John says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, change your mind, shift your thinking. See, he's making the way for Jesus to come and to give them an understanding of what the kingdom of God was. Because he says, repent, shift your thinking. Because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so he's making a way for Jesus to come and show them what the kingdom of God looks like. What the kingdom of God looks like. And so what's so powerful, so we have this. So when you hear Basilia, can you put that slide back up, Donna? Donna? 
So a basilia, it's it's a governmental term, supreme sovereign's rule and reign. So there's a supreme sovereign rule. There's a king. There's one. And so they know that, right? They have this understanding. They've heard that in the ancient Greek governmental term. They understood that, all right? But then you have Jesus in Matthew 16. See, he's using governmental terms. He comes in Matthew 16. You can go to the next slide, Donna. I already said all that. Next slide, please. Matthew 16, 18, and he says, see, this is the conversations he's having with Peter. Are you guys still with me? I'm setting you up because I want all of us to realize that when we're existing here in 2020, it's with great authority. It's with great authority. So he says in Matthew 16, 18, this is his reply to Peter when they have the conversation, who do you say that I am? And Jesus says, and I say also, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build, or I will establish my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he says my church. He says my ecclesia, another governmental term. Jesus is shifting mindsets. He's shifting mindsets and giving an understanding. So he's also saying, okay, the kingdom of God, Basilia, where there's one king and sovereign rule. But then he uses this word, ecclesia. Now, I can only imagine what the hero would have thought because these two terms don't go together. They're parts of a different kind of government. Basilia was a king, okay? The ecclesia was a part of a free people. Okay, so put this back up. You guys still with me? Because you're the ecclesia, You're the ecclesia. What did the ecclesia do? The ecclesia was the public assembly at which citizens, so this is actually in their government, that the citizens were formally entitled to attend, vote, and speak. They set forth decrees. So Jesus is saying, you're my assembly. You are going to go forth and set decrees. You guys, you have to understand, Jesus is shifting our mindset. We don't just come here and see, because we come together at church as a gathering. Jesus didn't say my gathering. Because if he would have said my gathering, it would have been quite different. It would have been the Greek, or the Greek word for synagogue. A synagogue that talked about a gathering. And anywhere in scripture you see gathering, it says the, it. But here he says my. My ecclesia. My assembly. Who's going to speak For the king. So he's using these two terms that are actually mutually exclusive. So the hero would have been like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Kingdom, Basilia, sovereign rule and reign. But here you're calling us your ecclesia. See, he's shifting. Repent. Shift. Change your mindset. Because the spirit is quite different from the natural. So we as the ecclesia, what do we do? We come here. We're the ecclesia. This is a gathering to the ecclesia and that government in ancient Greek. They would come together. They would gather as a free people. And they would vote. They would speak. And they would decree. So when he puts these two together, he's painting a picture that we come together and we attend. We speak on behalf of the king. We speak on behalf of of the king. Shift your mindset. See, when I 
when I was looking at this, this change from wanting to go into hypersleep and realizing that, no, you know what? I am, I am God, Jehovah, the existing one, the one who has always existed. I am his ecclesia. I speak on his behalf. So when I speak, when we gather together and we get the word of our king, we as the ecclesia go out and we speak his will. We make a decree into this realm. We speak as the king in this realm, guys. So being born again in every moment, existing from our origins, existing from our origins, speaking as the ecclesia of Jesus. Things will change when we get that understanding. And this is what God was showing me, smacking me upside the head. Why would you want to go into hypersleep, Marianne? You speak on my behalf. When you go forth and you decree the truth, I'm decreeing the truth because that's the authority that he gave us. Can you put the next slide up, Donna? So I already talked about that. Next slide, please. What did she say? You getting sassy back there? So we see here in John 15, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father. I have made known to you. So he's making known to his ecclesia, us, what the will of the father is. For I have made known to you, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. Jesus makes known to us the will of the father. We as the ecclesia speak it out into this realm. We're making a decree as his ecclesia and then we bear fruit. Right? So Jesus is saying we bear fruit. But here's the thing, guys. What fruit are we bearing? If we are not, because remember, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except one is born again, he cannot see, he cannot perceive. In verse 5, it says of chapter, John chapter 3, it says enter, which is a coming into existence, the kingdom of God. So unless we are existing from our origins, see, when we exist from our origins, we bear the fruit of God, the Spirit. See, this is what Jesus is saying. When you are existing from your origins, you're existing from the spirit, you're existing from the truth of God, you will bear my fruit. And the fruit that you see in this realm will be my fruit. But here's the thing is, is because God said we're going to bear fruit, right? Jesus is saying that you go bear fruit. So we're going to bear fruit no matter what. Because what God says It doesn't just stop when we decide that we're no longer going to move from the spirit. What he says is in motion. So because we are his ecclesia, what we say changes things. So if we're out there, remember verse six of chapter three or of John, 
that which is that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit so we are that word born we know remember the understanding from the greek that we are begetting we are engendering we are causing to exist so if we are moving from places of the natural and not the truth of god so if we're interjecting into situations natural emotions natural reactions we can't do that and then think the fruit is going to be spiritual so if we're interjecting our flesh into situations, then what we're going to get is flesh. But if we are being born again in every moment, existing from our origins in every moment, the fruit that we see in situations and what we interject into this realm will be of the kingdom of God. See, that's why Jesus says, verily, verily, Nicodemus, verily, verily, Marianne. Exist from your origins. You're my ecclesia. Go into the realm and speak the truth. Can you put the slide back up, please? And see, I just like lots of scriptures because, again, remember, this is what I stand on. When I have scriptures confirming what God, what I feel like the conversation, the communication of the Holy Spirit is, I go and I find scriptures. And I, I stand on these scriptures. See, like, this isn't just for a good teaching so I can get up here and speak to you. This is like, this is what I look at when I'm thinking, what the heck? When I'm not feeling really super, supernatural, when I'm not feeling really spiritual, because that's life, guys. That's why in every moment we're born again. It's not a one-time thing. Ephesians 2.19, it says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. Who the saints, fellow citizens with the saints, I need my glasses on, and members of the household of God. So fellow citizens and members of the household of God. In their governmental system, membership of the polis, which was their government as a community, we, community was conditional on participation in the polis government as a society. So you couldn't participate in government unless you were a citizen. We are fellow citizens. Here's, it's confirming it. So if you have any doubt that you are the ecclesia, no, fellow citizens and members of the household of God. See, these scriptures are confirming the power that has been given to us. The power that has been given to us. And this is why it's like, you know, Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, smacking me upside the head all the time. Like, get it together, Marion. We've been saying this to you for years. Every scripture pretty much says this. It's all confirming and working together to show us, to get us to realize the authority That is ours, the authority that are in our words. And you know what? With authority does come responsibility. It's like, verily, verily, shut up. (laughs) Verily, shut up. Stop going over your emotions all the time and be born again. So this is what, this is what God says to me. I'm not saying this is what he says to me. So you can, if you don't feel bad to be like, that's what God says to Marianne all the time. Get over yourself and get it together. Next slide, please. So, kind of bringing it all in. And this is like application. See, this is the way my brain works. God gives me a word. And it gets me stirred up just like I am right now. This, is, this happens at home in my private time. It gets me stirred up and I, I find the truth that I can stand on in the word of God. And then it, the Holy Spirit shows me, what does this look like in my life? What does this mean? This means that Jesus rules as the king, but he shares authority with us as his ecclesiastes. Better than that, he rules through us. 
He rules through us. If we aren't speaking the truth into this realm, who is? Because somebody's speaking. When the ecclesia assembles, it is gathering as his elected rulers. When the ecclesia worships, it is the assembly making way for the king to come and meet with his ecclesia. The king makes his will known and the ecclesia carries it out in this realm. We carry his will out. See, we're either carrying his will out or we're carrying our will out. And that's what God is showing me. And every moment, what am I interjecting? Am I interjecting my emotions as a reaction? Or am I interjecting being born again? Am I interjecting spirit into the situation? And this was like a big ouch, right? For me, like it was like, okay, like this is a continual thing. And every moment I'm having to remind myself because there are a lot of moments right now that it's easy to slip right back into what? And go right back into our natural feelings. It's very easy. And that's why literally for me, you guys, it's like every second I'm like, no, be born again. Sometimes at night when I wake up, you know, and all the thoughts, all the thoughts, you know, at nighttime when the thoughts just start going, I literally will sit there. No, 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 no. Every single moment. This is what God's showing me. And I, I'm not even joking. I sit there and I'll literally, no, no, no. I will speak the truth into the situations. When something happens and I don't agree with it, I will insert the truth, not my emotions, not my flesh. I want to finish off because... God, when he's in these conversations with me, he just confirms it and he confirms it and he confirms it for me. And one of the times where God just has me go around to my books, he had me go to this one passage of a devotional that I have. I don't do it every day. It's just randomly when I feel the Holy Spirit lead, I'll go and read it. And it was really impactful to me. And I think it really brought it all together And I want to read it to you guys. And it's basically as a conversation between a student and a teacher. So basically us and the Holy Spirit. It was the warm warm afternoon of a sunny day. The teacher and I were sitting under the shade of a nearby tree. Newton's first law of motion, he said, an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless acted upon by another force. At that, he threw a small rock up into the air and then caught it as it came down. When I threw up the rock, it was an object in motion. But when it stopped rising, it was acted upon by another force, the force of gravity. Newton's law, he said, applies to forces within the natural realm. But what if we take it to its ultimate level? What about the motion of the world itself? What do you mean? The world has fallen. The fall is its motion. It's the motion of sin and evil. So how do you stop that motion, the motion of the fall? How do you end sin and evil? Many religions and ideologies would say you just turn away from the evil and turn to good. How, asked the teacher. 
An object in motion remains in that motion, unless acted upon by another force, I said. Yes, so it could only happen through another force. So what is the other force? It can't be of the world. It must be other than the world, beyond the world. What is other than and beyond the universe? God. Yes, so the answer can only come from God. But how? Unless acted upon, the other force must act upon itself or must act upon the object. So the force must come into contact with the object in motion. Therefore, the presence of God must come into contact with the fallen world so that, upon, so that it acts upon it. And what is the cross? It is God taking all the motion of sin and evil and bringing it to an end. And what is the resurrection? It is God giving the world a new motion, the motion of life. It is God giving the fallen the motion of rising. And that's why the only way to truly change the motion of your life and and to change the motion of your life is with the motion of God, by the motion of his life. And the only way to change your heart is by the motion of his heart. But unlike this rock, it's your choice to let it happen. So the key is to let him act upon you, to receive the presence of God and let the force of his life and the power of his love act upon and change the course of your life. For a life in motion will stay in that motion unless it comes into contact with the motion of God. And so what does this have to do with existing from our origins, the world has fallen. But Jesus comes with the cross and resurrection life. And what does he do? He stops it. But how does he stop it from falling? When we are born again, we are existing from our origins. See, the world has fallen, but it has to, just like that just said, another force has to come in. How does the resurrection life of Jesus in the cross come into this realm? When we are existing from our origins. So how does, what force comes to the fall? We do. We stop it, guys. We stop it. When we interject and we exist from our origins, we stop the motion of the fall. We interject the resurrection life of Jesus into this world. If we aren't interjecting, that rock falls and the motion keeps going. So if you're looking around your world and you're seeing the fall, you're seeing evil, interject the presence of God by existing from your origins. And I'm sorry if this feels like an ouch. I've been having big ouches for a while. We are to be born again. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We are to be existing from our origins in every minute. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Interject resurrection life into this realm. We have the authority to do that. It was given to us by Jesus. Father God, I just thank you for this eternal truth. It's an eternal truth that you have given to us, that we have authority to speak and to interject your resurrection life and your resurrection power into this world and to stop the motion because that's what you called us to do. And so I thank you for that authority. I thank you for the words that you have spoken to each heart in this room today. And I just seal them up. And I thank you for continued conversation with you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.